Please stand if you're able for the gospel lesson for today. It comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 34 to 40. It's on page 1542 in your pew Bible. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. To those of you who responded to the following question, what are the barriers that can get in the way of my sharing up Jesus with others? What are the barriers that can get in the way of my sharing my faith with others? I want to thank you this morning uh, for sharing uh, your list with me. And I'm sure that many of us can resonate to the barriers that you mentioned. Uh, you said time can get in the way of my sharing my faith or my relationship with Jesus Christ. You said fear can get in the way of my sharing my faith or relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and you said saying the wrong thing, I'm just afraid of saying the wrong thing, can get in the way of sharing my faith, my relationship, with Jesus Christ. These are very common barriers, would you not agree? Yes, they, they are, they are, they are, they are. And, and what I want to share with you are scriptures that can help you when you find yourself in a place where you, you want to share your faith and yet you are afraid to share your faith or you think you don't have time to share your faith or you're just scared that you may say the wrong thing. I want to share scriptures with you, beloved, because let's face it, this is the reality. For us who are followers of Jesus Christ, our number, our primary responsibility as followers is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Would you agree with that? Okay, okay. So, so if there's anything that gets in the way of that, then, then we need to address it. So let me share with you uh, several scriptures. So for those of you who just say, look, pastor, you just don't understand. I don't have the time to share with others my relationship with Jesus Christ. I just want to remind you of Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, which says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, if you put God first and put God's kingdom first, it's amazing how time can be freed up. And also, let me encourage you to pray and say, Lord God, show me how I can free up time so that I can share with others the relationship that I have with Jesus Christ. And of course, you're going to think of other scriptures too. 
And for those who say, well, I'm, I'm just afraid, be mindful of what 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse says. Um, he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I like that word power. Do you like that word power? That word power can overcome fear. And, and then for those who are afraid of just saying the wrong thing, let me just say to you before I share this scripture with you, you may. I have. But that is not to keep us or prevent us from trying again. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says to his, <clears throat> to his disciples, I have given you, but when the Holy Spirit comes, right? That was not a test. Pastor just got carried away. But when the Holy Spirit comes, what will he do? Take out your Bibles. They're in the pews. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I had committed it to memory, and I'll just be honest with you, in that moment, I realized I was about to quote it incorrectly. So I thought I'd better take out the word and look at it. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version, your version, NIV, or another version may be different, but this is what Jesus says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. There's that word power again. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power. Here's the good news. For followers of Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, so we have the power. The question for us is, will we allow that power that is within us to overtake the fear, the timidity, the being scared that we may say the wrong thing? Well, today we conclude the sermon series, The New Community. We began this sermon series saying that as we begin a new year and a new month, it's time for us followers of Jesus Christ to have a spiritual reset or a spiritual recalibration. A spiritual reset or a spiritual recalibration is needed not for the purpose of church growth. The Holy Spirit will always take care of the church growth if the disciples of Jesus Christ are about the business of the church, which is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. No, no, this is about spiritual formation, this reset or recalibration, being all that God has created us to be individually and corporately as the church of Jesus Christ. I've told you before, I will tell you again, I am excited about the plans that God has for us, Evangel Heights United Methodist Church, family and friends. Oh, no, I can't tell you what those plans are because God has not revealed all of those plans to me. But one plan I do know is that God wants us to be about making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. If you've ever read any of uh, Deaconess Penny Krug's um, emails, she will end by saying, disciples make disciples who make disciples. I may be misquoting, so ask her later. <laughs> so 
So last week, we, we looked at our responsibility to one another as the body of Jesus Christ. How are we to relate to one another, engage with one another? Our focus today is not on those within the body of Jesus Christ. Our focus today is on those who are in the world, those who are hurting. So now join me in a word of prayer. Once again, I come before you as I prepare to feed your people, Lord God. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart bless you this day. Our Lord and our Redeemer, amen. How do you decide which person or group you will share your financial resources with? How do you decide which person or group you will spend your time with? What new insights have you gained this month about yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ? What new insights, if any, have you gained this month about your relationship with Jesus Christ? Has it changed? Is it growing? In the gospel lesson today, which is not a parable, but a narrative depicting the last judgment, we get a glimpse, a time when Jesus Christ will return to judge humanity at the end of the world. And by the way, thank you, Sherry, for the children's message today. Matthew chapter 25, beginning with verse 34 that you heard um, in your reading, in your presence, tells us how to be sure to see Jesus in the coming year. It is about making a commitment to live fully engaged, not turning away from brokenness or difficulty, not turning away from those who are suffering or those in need, but ready to meet them where they are. Jesus says in this gospel lesson that we are to live connected to those who hurt, to those who are in need. And let me just say, beyond our family and our friends, Jesus is calling us to live outwardly. In other words, we, we have this relationship with Jesus Christ that is growing more and more and more. How are we to live out that relationship in God's world? By connecting with those who are in need. James Finley reminds us, and I shared this, uh, this passage from his book, Merchant's Palace of Nowhere, states, the world is the place where we meet God because it is the place where God meets us in the person of Jesus Christ. Christ did not merely inhabit human flesh. He became flesh. He made himself as God to be one with humanity in the concrete historical realities of human life. Truly, God has entered the world, and it is in the world that Christians must turn to find God. End of quote. The church of Jesus Christ is not called to live in a silo, in a bubble. No, the church of Jesus Christ is called to spill out into the world, to be the salt of the earth. The church of Jesus Christ is not called to hide the light of Jesus Christ under a bushel. No, 
that bushel is to be removed and the light of Jesus Christ, we disciples of Jesus Christ, are to go to those places where there is darkness. Notice, notice as you looked at this, that particular text in Matthew, the criteria of judgment as far as Jesus Christ is concerned, it's not about how well we can quote the Apostles' Creed. He did not ask those Christians, do you know the Beatitudes? No. No. No, no, no. No, Jesus is asking individuals, how well did you love? How well did you love? Not people who are just like you. How well did you love the broken? How well did you love the hurting? How well did you love the vulnerable? How well did you love the invisible? How well did you love the marginalized? Notice what the goat said. We didn't. We didn't see him. Okay, pastor, you're paraphrasing. This particular gospel lesson reminds us, beloved, when people respond to human need, or if they choose not to respond to human need, they are in fact responding or failing to respond to Jesus Christ. Let's look at the text. I don't want you to leave saying, Pastor did not explain the text. So Jesus has these two groups. Thank you, Sherry. There are a group of people who understood that to be a follower of Jesus Christ, we go wherever Christ beckons us to go. We don't determine that we will only travel in certain zip codes. I remember several years ago, I was, I was part of a group that was looking at um, having conversations around race and racism. And I remember one of the participants said to us, she said, you know, I can get in my car and go to work and I can travel a particular route whereby I will never have to come in contact with people of color. She was honest. She could go to certain stores. She could shop at certain shops and not even be exposed to anyone who did not look like her. Jesus reminds us in this text today that we, we, we are called to be countercultural to what society says, countercultural to a society that says, look, move here and you'll only see people who look like you. Oh, shop here and you'll only be concerned about people who look and act and think like you. No, we're called to be countercultural. We're called to go where? Jesus Christ calls us to go, and that's to the vulnerable, that's to the invisible, that's to the marginalized. I I thank you, I thank you, I thank you, Evangel Heights, for the ways in which you have reached out to people who have 
a need. I'm thankful for the ways in which you have supported Hope Ministries, and I'm thankful that, that uh, Barbara and, and Terry Dickerson will, will now lead that ministry of volunteerism again at Hope Ministries. I'm thankful for the ways in which you support Broadway Christian Parish. I'm thankful for the leadership of Bobby Anderson, who's a team leader, who not only volunteers on Thursdays, but is now volunteering basically four days a week when it is open, the food, the um, breakfast service. I will tell you that God is calling us now to celebrate what we've done, but now to trust God as God leads us to a higher level of commitment and involvement. One commentator said that when you look at the gospel lesson, it's like a wellness checklist. Its purpose is not to condemn, but to provide a snapshot of our overall health, development, learning, and growth that should lead to new habits and new ways of life. We know what we've done regarding Broadway Christian Parish. We know how we've supported Hope Ministries. The question is, in addition to that, what else is God now calling us? as Evangel Heights United Methodist Church to do? What is God calling us to be about in this day and time? And the question can be, what can get in the way of our moving forward? What can get in the way of our saying, yes, Lord, I'm following you, even to those uncomfortable places? Well, according to Matthew chapter 24, uh, there are several things that can get in the way, an antagonism, a cooling of the love that we have for Jesus Christ. Distancing ourselves from others, allowing apathy to grow in us like a tumor and expecting that our actions have no real consequences or relying too heavily on past love and care. I, I shared with you early on that, that I would talk about the fact that whatever is going on in the world, we need to be mindful of that as the body of Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is always asking the question, what are you going to do about it? People are hurting, people are dying. What are you going to do about it? Methodist Hospital in Indianapolis is a hospital that many of you may have visited. You may have even been a patient there. But did you not know that the, the foundation, the start of that hospital was started by United Methodist youth who were concerned about health needs in their community? Never think, never think that your actions have no real consequences. Little becomes much, the songwriter says, when we yield it to the masters. And what is Jesus Christ calling us to do, Evangel Heights Church family and friends, individually and corporately? Where is he beckoning us to follow him? Those places that we said, I will never go there. I will not engage with those people. Yes. And we look at this text, and Sherry brought this up. Thank you, Sherry. We're not talking about works righteousness here. The sheep, the people who served 
Jesus Christ, not because they were looking for reasons to serve Jesus Christ. No, no. It was because of the love of Jesus Christ that they had received, that they understood they were to share with others. That love took them to places and to people who had a need. It was their way of living. It was their way of living. Yes. Our actions or our non-actions will have consequences. Matthew reminds us, beloved, that for the disciple of Jesus Christ, who are created in the image of a freely loving God, We are called to share that love. And in case we get it wrong, we have this this wonderful role model of Jesus Christ who demonstrates to us that this love that is transformative in nature is to be shared with all and especially and especially and especially the needy, the hurting, the invisible, the vulnerable, and the marginalized. Yes. As we conclude this sermon series, I am mindful that we're going to have the opportunity this year. I do not know the specifics, but I do know that we as followers of Jesus Christ, will have the opportunity this year to share the love of Jesus Christ, a love that is able to see Jesus when we look at those outside of our circles of comfort. I don't know about you, but I'm ready. Not in and of my own strength. No. I'm ready because, like you, I have been empowered with the Holy Spirit who's able to help me to overcome the fear, to help me to overcome the the mismanagement of time, to help me to overcome the thought that I might get it wrong. This particular gospel lesson reminds us that when we love as Jesus Christ loved, we'll begin to live the abundant life that Jesus Christ has offered to us and has spoken about in John chapter 10. Let us pray. Loving God, we invite you to move us, stir us, and perhaps make us feel a little uncomfortable remembering all the times we acted like goats in our lives. Change us and allow us to see a need and do something about it in our daily lives. God, allow us and challenge us to do ministry in the name of your Son, 
for the least of these. In Jesus' precious and holy name I pray, amen.